Welcome to E4 of Belief Over Doubts, a show where we work to apply Bible basics to real life situations. I'm your host for the show, Robert Polk. I want to start today's episode with a quick recap of the last episode, E3, on mental health. Um, in E3, I shared some of my challenges, um, fear, anxiety, jealousy, guilt, doubt, uh, to name a few. Um, we pointed out that there are over 28 different types of mental disorders that have been verified. It's a real thing, and I want everyone to take it seriously. I asked us to focus on and, and work to strengthen the Holy Spirit that lives in us um, so that he can help guide us through challenging times. Um, I shared a personal story about how charming, articulate, uh, and romantic I was when I first met my queen. It's, it's truly only God's grace that, uh, that she still married me. I, I explained how the devil tries to play us. He lets us build a wedge between us and the love of Christ because we feel that we can't redeem ourselves. Um, I tried to explain that there's a difference between pressure and stress and what we should do when we come against either one. Um, we discussed friendship in the Bible. Uh, I tried to share um, a recap of 10 different passages of scripture. And, um, and I shared that Mental Health of America uh, has over 13 tests that you can take for free on their website um, to help identify different things that, and, and different disorders. If I missed anything in that recap that you want to remind other viewers of, please share it in the comments below. Um, I would appreciate it if you liked and subscribed. And if you would, please join our Facebook group. Uh, send any prayer requests to beliefoverdoubts at gmail.com. Uh, as we continue our series on understanding health, I want to shift our focus to one of the most uncomfortable conversations in the church. It, money. I'm almost ready to roll, but I do have a few ground rules. One, um, I acknowledge the sensitivity of this conversation, especially when it comes to church. Because um, most people just don't have a good trust when it comes to church and how they handle money. Uh, number two, I'm not a 3 a.m. televangelist trying to get you to send me money um, for some prayer cloth or, or a, a jar of holy water. My experience in this area definitely outweighs my biblical knowledge. But I've got like four Bibles. i got the internet and I have a passion uh, to get scripture to you in its purest form. So... Please consider this your, uh, your your spiritual stimulus package. You're welcome. All right. I recently read um, that 80% of Americans carry heavy debt. Uh, then I read an article from CNBC um, that the average American has over $90,000 in debt. You, you know, $90,000, you know how much that's going to be? When you finish paying it off with interest, it's going to be like $120,000, $130,000. And while that may seem unbelievable, I'm sure that you can understand how it happens to so many people. And that's part of the reason why this topic is so important to me. Further, as I continued my, my Bible study, I understood how important uh, financial health is to God. Jesus talks about money more than any other topic in the New Testament. I would say that 11 of his 39 parables were about money. But today I want to start our journey with one passage from the Old Testament and one passage from the New. Um, I chose to do it this way so that you can understand that to God, teaching about debt and talking about money is nothing new. So from the Old Testament, let's look at Proverbs chapter 22, 
um, in verse 7, it says that the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Um, from the New Testament, Romans chapter 13, verse 8, teaches us that we should let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. The heaviest debt that most Americans carry comes from the dream of home ownership. But it's the interest earned against credit cards today that just robs us from today's profits. Um, and, and according to scripture, we are volunteering to be slaves when we spend money that we don't have. And, and banks love when someone will rather accumulate debt instead of investing like God wants us to. He, he doesn't want us to... Um, he, he doesn't want us out here promising money and resources to someone else. His desire, his, his design is to see your money go where it should go um, so that it could fulfill different purposes. Just imagine if you were able to take all of that interest that you paid and, and put it into account for your kids. Or if you could put it away and cash it out when you turn 55. I mean, that amount, just the interest alone, could probably change someone's life. The Bible tells us about investing as well. Watch this. Four quick um, proverbs um, about investing. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 16 tells us that a wise man thinks ahead. A fool doesn't. <laughs> and even brags about it. Wait, did y'all hear about the dude that put a $24 million diamond in his forehead? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Proverbs 21, uh, chapter 21, verse 20 says that the wise store up their choice food in olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down and it's gone, right? Um, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5 says that the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as uh, haste leads to poverty. Um, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous this is this is one of the reasons that i love the bible right the comparisons are very clear the sinner's money will go to the righteous while a good man leaves inheritance to his children's children um wait wait what about uh first timothy chapter 5 verse 8 which says if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than unbelievable and is worse than an unbeliever. That's 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 powerful right there. Right. Two quick thoughts um, that jump out at me. One is just making um, making wise, strategic decisions with money and paying forward instead of being selfish. And then that statement that he who doesn't provide for his relatives is worse than an unbeliever is that that's just convicting um convicting means like being worthy of blame so when you hear people say i feel convicted they feel worthy of blame i don't know if i'm too far into it but i do want to go back and, and talk about one of the mis one of the most misquoted passages ever um it's the one we all grew up hearing but i want to try to dive into it have you ever heard money is the root of all evil this saying literally like shut my brain down because I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to be broke, but I also didn't want to be evil. It just was bad options. Um, so I want to take a moment and clear this up for you. This misquote 
really comes to us from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, where scripture tells us that it's the love of money, which is a root of all kinds of evil. The rest of the verse is rarely mentioned, but it reads that it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Um, pangs are defined as like sudden sharp pains or like painful emotion. So just to clear it up, it basically says that the love of money has caused people to wander from the faith and cause pain. Paul shares a similar message in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and to be content with what you have. For he, God, uh, has said that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, the difference uh, between this passage and 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 is the word keep to me. Plus, God's promise to never leave us, forsake us. Um, I think that's important. But Webster's Dictionary defines keep as to continue to be in a specified condition or position. This means that there's work necessary to maintain this mentality. We must make a concentrated effort to keep money properly prioritized. Um, let me ask you a couple questions real quick. What kind of sacrifices are you willing to make today to have a better tomorrow? Are you putting yourself in a position where you can retire comfortably? Do, do you even know how much it's going to take for you to retire comfortably? Um, what investments do you currently have? Wait, what investments have you made in yourself? And, and I'm not talking about shoes and clothes. I mean like self-improvement, like like language classes. Um, have, have you worked to make your next generation's life better than yours? Are, are you leaving them more debt? Do you, do you have a plan to clear your debt? And, and please don't tell me that it's scratch-offs. Like, do you feel that you can maintain your current lifestyle without using credit cards if you miss, like, your next four checks? Do you have life insurance? Is it enough life insurance? Do you have a current will and testament? Or, or are you, like most people, um, still paying interest against Taco Bell you had one night in college? Um, I remember asking a good friend about investments. I was like, yo, uh, what, what have you been investing your money in? And he quickly answered that I don't have that kind of money to invest. I told him that that's exactly why you need to invest. Because we, um, as people, are limited by position, by talent or scale and, and opportunity when it comes to how much money we can make. Our money, however, is not under the same restrictions and it could be it could become generational wealth if it's properly placed. I, I, remember I told you about there were there were eleven parables about that Jesus shared about money? Let me share a quick one with you. Um, from Matthew chapter twenty five um, verses 14 through 30. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but a man was going on a long trip and he left his money to three servants. He gave one servant five bags of silver. He gave another one two bags of silver. And then he gave the third servant one bag of silver. Um, to the one who got five bags, he invested those five and earned five more. The one who got the two bags, he worked and earned two more. Uh, and the dude that got one, 
he went and buried his so that he didn't lose it and anger his master. Um, when the master came back or the man came back, uh, they reported to him what happened. And the first two reported back, hey, sir, we doubled our bags, and they were praised, and they were told that they would get more responsibility from him. And he really, he just wanted to celebrate with them. When the last guy showed up and showed him the one bag that he had buried, he, he replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Then he took his bag, the, the guy that had the one bag, he took that one bag and gave it to the guy who had earned five additional bags. And he said, those who do nothing, even with what little they have, that will be taken away. H have you ever heard the saying that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago? The next best time is tomorrow. See, Business Insider recently identified out 15 things that you can do today to become rich in the future. Now, again, this episode is not about becoming rich. It is about financial health. And I want to share some of the, the key points that they identified out in that article with you here. Um, one of them was to invest at least 10% of your income back into yourself. They argue that when it comes to self-improvement, Investing 10% of your income will yield at least 100 times or more in return. Um, they said that we should invest at least 80% of our off time, which is hard to find off time, right, into learning. Invest at least 10% of your income into vehicles that will generate more money. Um, they think that we should work to collaborate, not to compete. Um, that we should work to find win-win situations. Um, I love this one. They, um, they said that we should learn to operate from our deepest why. Um, what is your why for doing what you're doing or pursuing? Um, the last one, um, a, a shift. They, they want you to shift your motivation from getting to giving. Um, Joe Polish, the guy who founded the Genius Network, once said that the world gives to the givers and it takes from the takers. That said, I want to discuss giving. The, the next story is told twice in the New Testament. Once in Mark chapter 12 and again in Luke chapter 21. Um, I want to look at the, the, the passage from Luke chapter 21 verses 1 through 4. It takes us to a scene where Jesus is sitting across from the temple uh, during the time of giving. And, and scripture tells us that Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And then he saw a poor widow with two small copper coins, um, which were called mites. And he said, truly I tell you, this poor woman has put in more than all of them. For they contribute out of their abundance. But she contributed out of her poverty, putting in all she had to live on. Look, God doesn't God doesn't have like a, a Zelle or a, a Venmo or, or PayPal. He isn't actively in the stock market trying to buy or sell. He, I'm sorry, what I'm trying to say is that God doesn't need our money. He's testing our hearts, our minds, and our loyalty. That That's what Jesus was trying to see. He was sitting there trying to see who is willing to make a sacrifice for the glory of the kingdom. Can you imagine God sitting across from you 
watching your actions, do you think that he would be proud of what you're willing to sacrifice for the kingdom? Do you feel like you're giving enough of your time and your treasure to sow sacrifices to God? Or are you withholding for the one who gave everything for you? Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 tell us that you are to honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, I truly doubt that I got a ton of farmers on this channel, but I hope you all get the message. God wants to see if you're willing to put him in the kingdom of heaven first. If you're willing to put him on the top of your list. I know what your your hearts are going to, to feel. I know what your mouths are going to say. But what do your actions say? Could someone looking at your spending versus your giving habits see that you are working to fulfill God's will? I, I, I'm sure you heard the, 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 passage, the, the, say, the saying before, you can't serve two masters. Let me provide the full passage for you. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 teaches us, that no one can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. I know that was with emphasis, but that's scripture. You cannot serve God and money. And, and, and it's wild because when we think of money, um, we, don't, we, we don't love money. We love what money gives us access to. Or, or how people look at us or how people treat us if they think we have money. How can you love something or, or work so hard for something that will never love you back? See, like the only way that money works for you is to give it away. Loving money to me is nasty, it's abusive, it, it, it's a one-sided relationship. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 tells us that he who loves money will not be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income this this is vanity if you ask yourself why do you really need more money like what are you gonna do with it how are you gonna impact your community how are you gonna make others lives better look I know y'all tired of my pointed questions and that's cool I could take that I just want to express to you that money is given as a resource It's not to be wasted on meaningless items not just to pay off debt or or interest and stay current with your bills and is definitely not given to become your god financial health is not just having a bunch of money because money is adulterous no matter how much you got or or what you sacrifice to get it money will always leave you and go to another it has no loyalty to you so my plea to you is to invest in our Heavenly Father because he does look he pursued you for years while you ran so stop running uh, out there loving people or, or, or things that can't properly love you back so in, in, in conversation with my queen she asked me why does US currency have in God we trust on it and truthfully I didn't have an answer so we started to research and we found an image somewhere on the internet with a picture of a hundred dollar bill and on one side it read as we all know in God we trust uh, but on the other side someone had written but can't he trust you I'm wrapping up but I feel like I want to share one of my all-time favorite passages from the Bible with you 
um, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9, really helps me keep my resources prioritized. Um, allow me to share it. It says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not, re- do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me, and give me neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and, and disown you, and say, Who is the Lord? Or, I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of God. See, this is where my heart and my mind are when it comes to finances. I think that it's a, a fair middle ground. Now, I'm sure that there are a handful of people out there who wanted to hear me talk about tithes in this episode. And I am excited to discuss that. But after prayer, I, I plan to actually tackle that one separately because it's such a large and divisive topic that I wanted to give it the space that it deserves for proper meditation or, or debate if needed. Um, but for now, I want to recap the scriptures that we have discussed and lay out the takeaways from this episode. Um, from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, I took away that we put ourselves in bondage and end up owing the fruit of our labor to too many people um, when we deal with credit. Um, from Romans chapter 13, verse 8, I took away that we got to eliminate financial debt, but, um, but focus on the task of loving each other. Debt can push us away from people that we should be close to. Um, please allow me the grace of grouping um, the five, the the four proverbs with First Timothy. So Proverbs chapter thirteen verse twenty two, Proverbs chapter thirteen verse six, Proverbs chapter twenty one verse twenty, and, and Proverbs chapter uh, twenty one verse five with First Timothy chapter five verse eight. I know that was a lot, but they all they all give me the same takeaway um, that God wants us to plan for the future. The right thing for us to do is to put as many people in winning positions as possible and not to waste all of tomorrow's resources today. Um, from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, I took away the clarity of the cliched, money is the root of all evil. I believe it to be one of the most common distractions between people and faith, but money itself is not the root of all evil. Um, from Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, I, I took away the uh, I took away the definition of the word keep, and I want us to understand that there is work that has to be done to maintain the status. Um, from Matthew chapter 25 um, verse 14 to 30, again I love this story, and my takeaway is to do the best that you can with what God gives you. It's easy to spend it or, or try to protect it, but it's a blessing when you can find a way for your money to make money. Um, from Luke chapter 21 verses uh, 1 through 4, I took away that God isn't isn't waiting to see what you give uh, or your generosity like a GoFundMe page. He needs like like he's waiting on, on that money to go buy something. He's testing your heart versus your treasure. From Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10, I, I took away that money will never satisfy us and that we should make sure to keep um, our motives pure because too many people chase money for reasons of vanity, not to provide. Um, from Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 and 10, um, my takeaway here is that by design we are to give back and that sacrifice is to be made up front. Because God will provide for us and he'll give back plenty. Look, I ain't never had my vats bursting with wine before like scripture says. But I'm trying to see what that be like here in 2021. 
um, from Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. My takeaway here is that we have to choose. The world has made money so important that it can consume us. Look, I, I truly thank you for tuning in. And as I mentioned earlier on, um, please share, like, subscribe, or comment. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please send them to beliefoverdoubts at gmail.com. Um, and join me next week for the next part of the segment on overall health. For now, be blessed and be safe.